Our second scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 5 through 9. It occurs during the Last Supper of Jesus with his disciples. After that, Jesus poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was clothed. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, will you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not know now, but you will know after. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I once saw this powerful painting of Jesus washing the disciples' feet by this artist named Ford Maddox Brown. And it hangs in this museum in England, and the lighting is dark. And the front of it is Jesus kneeling at Peter's feet. And Jesus' face is serene. He's clothed in a robe and a toweled hand is reaching for Peter's gnarled foot. And in the background, the disciples are leaning and peering and standing to watch this peculiar sight. They all look surprised or awed or eager or confused. Except Peter. As Jesus reaches for Peter's feet, Peter looks like the grouchy neighbor who chases kids off his lawn. He Looks like my grandma, I remember her face when I touched her fine china. Peter looks disturbed. Peter tries to rebuke Jesus when Jesus kneels to wash Peter's feet. Lord, not my feet. They're covered with the dirt of walking miles in sandals. There's mud and filth. There are calluses and growths. Jesus, my rabbi, my Lord, don't touch my feet. They're much too dirty. We may judge Peter for this pause, and maybe we congratulate him when a moment later he rejoins, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. But today, today as we are preparing to celebrate a baptism, I want us all to remember what our own baptisms meant, to remember them and what they stood for. And I want us to pause for a moment in Peter's hesitation. In these waters, God draws near to us to wash us clean, to wash us of our sins. God, the Lord of whom the angels sing in choruses of never-ending praise, the God in whom true beauty is found, God who alone loves perfectly, God who is alone without sin, God draws near in these waters to wash us clean. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Peter, you see, thinks in this sacred moment that he knows what he wants, to be washed by Jesus. But in a few hours, just a few short hours, everything will change. Because even before that tender meal has drawn to a close, you know Judas has departed to betray Jesus into the hands of the Pharisees. As Peter and his fellow disciples walk out with Jesus into the night, they're singing psalms and they're filled with bread and wine, feeling connected and inspired and devoted. Another crowd is gathering with torches and swords. 
And suddenly the night is moving too fast and the scenes collide as the torches cast flickering shadows over the sleeping disciples. And they wake to Judas's hollow smile stretched thinly over his face, like a boy about to be sick but trying to be brave, leading a cohort of soldiers. Jesus is taken into chains. And he's dragged to the temple there. An even larger crowd is assembled and they hurl insults and abuse upon Jesus. They spit on him. They hit him. They accuse him of being a fool and a traitor. And Peter watches. Peter, who a few hours before was so sure he knew what he wanted. He wanted to be washed by Jesus. He wanted to follow his master even unto death. But now, now with death staring him in the face... And someone asks him, hey, you look like that guy. Aren't you one of his disciples? Peter says, no, no, get away from me. And someone else says, no, really, you sound like him. I'm pretty sure you're his disciple. And Peter replies, no, I'm telling you, you've got the wrong guy. A third person says, I saw you in the garden with him. You are definitely one of his disciples. Peter denies him again. Being washed by Jesus is one thing when we're talking about forgiveness of sins. It's one thing when Jesus is just washing feet. But in these waters, Jesus is not just looking for your feet. He wants to wash all of you. He wants your feet and your hands, your head and your heart. He wants the way you speak, the way you think, the way you love, the way you spend your money, the way you spend your time. There's something intuitive about washing feet. Feet get dirty. There's something intuitive about forgiving sins. Sins make us dirty. There's something less intuitive about following Jesus into death. The waters of baptism, Peter realized as he watched his friend being dragged away to be crucified, the waters of baptism are about dying. When we are gathered here together, it can seem romantic and heroic and inspired to cry out, to God, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head as well. It can seem so clear what we want, but when God starts scrubbing at something we don't want to give up, it's far easier to cry with Peter, no, you're confused. I don't know him. I get it. My youth group in high school was a powerfully transformative experience for me. I met God in a new and powerful way. I became a follower of Jesus. I loved people. I intentionally hung out with the marginalized in the youth group. I read my Bible. I prayed. I volunteered. I liked it. It was like all the things that God wanted for me were things I already wanted. It was great. And then suddenly things were moving too fast. I was on a mission trip to Brazil, and it was overwhelming. The joyful faces of children playing with burning piles of trash, I will never forget. The opulence divided from the basest poverty by barbed wire walls and guards, problems too big to fix, problems that would swallow you whole without fanfare or thanks or glory or honor. I boarded the plane back feeling inspired feeling grateful, feeling that mission trip high that you might know, grateful for this stint of tourism, but on the plane and in the line through customs and on the car ride home, something left me somber. I felt God calling me to do something for them, for those children with no shoes and the piles of burning trash. God called me to a ministry without accolades or thanks or glory, without romance, without the things I wanted. 
God called me to give up my understanding, to deny my desires, to die to myself for the sake of these kids. And I pretended not to hear. In my heart, I said, no, I don't know him. When Jesus comes to wash our feet, to forgive our sins, when we sit in these pews and sing the songs and recite the faith, it can be easy to think we want God. But when God calls us to change our hearts, to deny our dreams, to die to ourselves, denial of him can come quick to our lips. So let me ask, let me ask you this one question. Do you really want to die? There's absolutely no shame in wondering. There's no shame in doubting. Dying is hard. Even God knows dying is hard. And hear this. After all, God died for us. Before Jesus was nailed to the cross, before he was condemned, before he was arrested, before the crowd came with their torches and swords and chains, do you remember? He prayed that he wouldn't have to. God knows dying is hard. But God wasn't dying just to die. Dying isn't good. Dying just to die is a tragedy. Dying is the absence of life. Dying is the absence of hope. Dying is the grave. Dying isn't good at all. And I think that's where Peter got stuck, and I think that's where we get stuck, isn't it? God is good, and forgiveness is good, and all of that is good, but death, death isn't good at all. Why does God ask us to die? Why does God have to mess with how we treat other people? Why does God want to change the way we speak or the TV we watch or the way we think about food or friendship or money? Those things are all good. Life is good. So with Peter, we're left asking, why does God ask us to die? Why do we have to follow Jesus into the tomb? In short, why should you want to be baptized? You see, these waters, since the very beginning of the faith, have represented death. They have represented laying down old ways of being, old desires, old hopes and dreams for what God has in store. And when we baptize children, we ask parents and families and even the church at large to support the child as they grow in faith. We hold out an expectation for them and we help them get there as they grow. We teach them the ways of God, which means we teach them to lay down their own life, their own desires for what God has in store. Why on earth would you want to be baptized? Why would you follow Jesus into death? Peter wondered too. He turned away from the cross. He left Jesus. He didn't understand why he should die, but we can read past Peter's betrayal. We can read past Jesus' crucifixion and see that God was not dying just to die. God was dying to live. Jesus says to Peter, unless I wash you, you can have no part of me. Because God was dying so we could follow Jesus into his grave and follow him out into newness of life. We die because the goodness of life, the good of money, power, food, popularity, influence, prestige, heroism, name your poison, will one day leave you dead anyway. They will leave you empty. They aren't what we were made for. We die because God loves you too much to share you with something that will leave you dead. If we don't let God wash us, we can't have what God is offering. You'll see on the altar today our flowers. Some of you will recognize them. 
rocks from our Worship Element series, rocks we wrote our sins on, and we poured water over them to symbolize God's cleansing of us. You'll notice that there are flowers coming from them now, flowers representing the way that dying in God allows for newness of life. But you don't get to choose which parts of you God washes. You go into the waters of baptism holy. Because through baptism we are invited to become a part of God's family through membership to this particular church. We are invited to become a part of this congregation. Both baptism and membership require a dying to ourselves, dying to our desires, so we can have what God is offering. Becoming a member here is dying to your plans for the church. This is not my church. This is not your church. This is God's church. Austin, Allison, Jim, and Melissa will so die today which would be the stupidest thing they could ever do, except that as Christians we believe something particular, something strange. We believe that if we give up our desires, our dreams, our hopes, our fears, our sins to God, if we follow Jesus into his grave, that we will become joyful and whole and free. In being baptized, we say, even though I may not always feel it, even though I may turn back for a time, even though I may doubt and tremble and shake what I want, what I know I want to want is God. What I want is the one who made me, who loves me, and because of that love died for me. In the end, that's how it had to be, because there is no love without dying. Loving is dying to yourself for the sake of the one before you. Today, Allison is deciding to be baptized, and she is deciding to begin dying. It's the dumbest thing you'll ever do. It's the dumbest thing all of us who have been baptized have ever done. At least it is to those who don't see what God is offering on the other side of this tomb. Today you are committing again to walk into that tomb every day, to die again so God can give you life more fully, more saturated with joy and peace and comfort and love than you could have ever imagined possible. Some days will be horribly hard. That's why we walk together, reminding each other of why we decided to walk into a tomb. Other days you will catch glimpses of heaven, of God's face and its radiance and beauty that steal your breath away. We will be here with you then, too, and ask that you would share your joy with us. Together, together, we all cry out, Lord, not only our feet, but our hands and our heads, our hearts and our minds, our homes and our schools. Lord, wash us all. Because as we enter into that tomb, as we die more and more, even though the world will call us fools, even though you will wonder if you are a fool, watch This tomb holds life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.